Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 128. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ViaCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Christian, a lot has happened since the last time we talked. You went to a different state. I, I didn't go to a different state. I'm about to go to a different state. Never really thought I'd go to Indiana. Yeah, and you loved Kentucky so much when we were there for the Louisville game. I'm sure Indiana will just be like a breath of fresh air for you. I am, a, if anyone's ever wondering how committed I am to this podcast, I just, I literally just drove eight hours and just got back like not even an hour ago. And now we're doing a podcast. So this is great. I was in, I think I said in the last podcast, I went to Athens, Georgia to see a friend who's currently a Georgia student. Uh, spent a lot of time on the Georgia campus, went to a Georgia baseball game. I think UCF's frankly just a better school. Uh, that was my takeaway from all that. Um, so, yeah. we're, so we're doing that? We're going with that after the weekend? Yeah, we're really not. No, Georgia's campus was fantastic. That was an amazing <laughs> campus. Um, better than UCF's. Well, I don't know. UCF's is like laid out better because Georgia's campus was like a nonsensical mess. And I really hate campuses that are like that. But also like all of these buildings were built by like wealthy people who lived in the 1800s. So like it's a very pres- like ostentatious style campus, if that makes sense. I was going to say I've found that most campuses are laid out and just in not like not a good way. But I guess it's because so many of them are older and UCF was just like, all right, we're we're able UCF to UCF was able to plant. So the weirdest part is yeah. <laughs> Georgia's stadium, which is big, by the way, um, is next to their student union. And I don't mean like near it. I mean, like they are next to each other. And then it gets weirder because there is also a very nice dorm building next to both of those. That's like five stories tall. And this dorm is so close to the stadium that like the top rows of the stadium, like are over the roof of the dorm. Like it is literally that close to the stadium where it's almost tucked underneath it. And I'm just like, no planning was done on when this campus was built. Like it was, it, it literally looks like they just, it's like you were playing at like one of those games where you like build cities or whatever, like Sim City or one of those things and just like throwing stuff. And like, we're just going <laughs> to mash it all up here. And, but other than that, yeah, I, let me tell you, Athens, uh, I, UCF should be getting more recruits. Um, I don't get how we're getting four and five stars to Orlando and they're not like, this is better than a small town. Like I understand there's the whole Georgia puts them in the NFL and wins national championships, but like seriously though, like Georgia aside, that was one of my main takeaways was like, like not from Georgia, but like other colleges that are in small towns that are similar success level to UCF, UCF should be getting recruits from those schools. Well, I think the, you know, putting players in the NFL and national championships thing is like will outweigh a lot for a lot of recruits. So little bit That's but again fair. you can stomach being in a small town when you're in georgia and athens was a cool town it's it's just not like a you know it's not orlando and but like if you're like i don't know in morgantown or lubbock or something <laughs> like it's like when you're a school that maybe has had similar or worse success compared to ucf i feel like ucf should be able to get recruits away from there so it was interesting Man. from that perspective but i am tired so eight eight hours on the road and you still just set up the perfect segue into our topic i look Talking at me man i'm just these... even when i'm not fully awake i'm an amazing podcaster these big 12 programs that UCF is about to play in, I was going to say all the sports, but not all the sports because men's soccer is headed to the Sun Belt. Um, but sure what, what we're talking about today is actually we're ranking. We're doing one of our rankings podcasts, which we, which we do kind of a lot of. Um, but we're ranking the not all the UCF athletics programs, but seven of the UCF athletics programs in terms of their readiness for big 12 play. Sure. Are. And the ones we're ranking are. Baseball, softball, volleyball, women's soccer, basketball, both men's and women's, and football. Did I miss any? I don't think I missed any. That was it. I was looking at my list and like trying to just pick them up from all over the different like parts of the list so I didn't give away my order. I was wondering. And I was about to make a joke like, is that your order? Because it's interesting if it is, but mostly like that's happened before where I knew you I knew you were gonna say that because I've done I've read things off like that before and you're like, is that your order? And every time I've been like, no, it's not. <laughs> but I was more prepared to like I had an actual list. This time I didn't have a list other than my actual order. So that was an adventure. But nice. we'll we'll start from the least ready. Uh, this is gonna be interesting because I think some some of our well, maybe not. We'll we'll find out, I guess. I say some of our takes on some of these programs might be a little different, but I think, I think there is a for the very most... clear least ready program but we can talk about it. You want to start first? Yeah, sure. My least ready program for the big 12 move is men's basketball. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the consensus among everyone in the UCF fan base and anyone who even, yeah, not just the fan base. I think everyone just realizes that this program is about to be the absolute floor of the big 12. And I think depending on the fan you talk to, the reason why that's the case may differ, but 
at the end of the day, the Big 12 <laughs> is the SEC of men's basketball. It's actually not even like it's better than the SEC better. is in football. Like it's it's basically like a mini NBA. Like it's ridiculous how good this league is. And UCF, well, let's recap. Um, very, very rarely good on the hardwood. Um, they, <laughs> you know, we're mostly Team Johnny Dawkins. Don't know if I'm fully on that boat after what happened with USF earlier this week. But all that being said, at the end of the day, like looking, because I'm looking, I when I assembled this list, I also looked long-term, not necessarily like, who's going to be good next year, but just who's ready for this. And you look at men's basketball, they have the second to last budget in the AAC. And now they're moving to the best league in all of college basketball. They have terrible facilities compared to even other peers of where they're at now and not even where they're going. They don't invest in the program. There's not fan support for the program. It's not a big deal on or off campus around Orlando. It's just, there are really no sign recruiting is an easy, there are no signs pointing to this being anything, but, a, being a very very rough few years at best for men's basketball i don't see a path to them being competitive at this point well that's the that's the big thing to me is that there isn't really a path i don't think until ucf says hey we actually care about this program we, we care about men's basketball more than it just being the thing that we do in the winter slash beginning of spring like i just does they don't they haven't invested and if that's if that's the case like it's just it's weird because they're going to this conference right where every other program cares about basketball like every other athletics program cares deeply about basketball to say they care is they're going to a league where every other program basically wants to win a national championship in men's basketball like that that's the level of what they're walking into and this is a this is an this administration just like previous ucf administrations it's not a mahadra thing that just simply doesn't really care and you know what that that there's been uh, there's been a reason for that ucf is a football school and they've historically put everything they have into the football program but like even if they aren't at the point where they're like, we want to really try to be good at men's basketball, they still need to like double their current investment in it just to even be able to exist in this league they're moving into. And I'm not sure they're going to do that. I'm just not sure they are. I'm not either. And I meant to look this up before, but I I think when you look at the landscape of the Big 12 and, and men's basketball, most, if not all of the programs made the tournament last year. Like I think they had like seven or eight, didn't they? Yeah, it's I, 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 like, I, the, and I'm you, I'm gonna imagine that's gonna be the case again this year. If you're on Big Twelve Twitter, you've seen the stats that like almost the entire league is like top fifty, top forty, top thirty in the net rankings. Like it's insane. Like and then you see stuff for UCF men's basketball. Like there was a Facebook post, a few Facebook posts from a few weeks ago about how they flew Frontier oh, yeah. to get to a game and then got delayed. Like not even didn't charter, flew Frontier. And if you don't travel a lot, that's bad, guys. Like that's what Bailey and I fly. It's like, like, like we we. That's not even true. I I don't fly Frontier anymore. Oh, we flew Spirit. That's right. But we have flown. Yeah. I have, we have flown Frontier in the past. Like if if the actual UCF basketball team is using the same travel accommodations to get their games as like Bailey and I are to get to football games, like that's bad. And I just I don't know what the answer is because I know a lot of people are like coaching change, coaching change, and. Again, my take is pretty much the same. The U- getting swept by USF is terrible and pretty inexcusable, and that that's not anything to do with resources or anything like that that's just the team playing badly and you can have that conversation all day but the take i've had that hasn't changed after that game and is the same now is just i you see these ucf fans and they're like we got to get rid of dawkins and go higher and they list all these candidates that are not coming to ucf under any circumstances they just don't understand that this isn't an attractive job i mean like that's like saying um, people say well we're gonna be the big 12 like does being in the sec make vanderbilt an attractive job because that's what ucf men's basketball is shaped up to be right now in this conference that's the thing is like I, I challenge anyone to give me one good reason that a top candidate, not even a top candidate, that like a, a upper tier candidate would want to come to UCF and take that job. I I don't there isn't. think there is one. And they you keep want to like, live in Orlando? Keep... Like you want to retire to Orlando, maybe? But, but it's such a classic, like the football mentality is like a bunch of UCF fans, like, we're gonna go get FAU's basketball coach because FAU's having a great season. It's like, yeah, FAU's basketball coach is probably not gonna be at FAU next year, but he's sure not gonna be at UCF. He's gonna be at one of the many better and richer programs that are going to offer him a job. Like the idea that fans think that UCF's like it's just they just don't get it. And I and you know, I I don't see a path for Dawkins surviving here because I I don't I'm not with the people who think he's going to get fired this year. I don't think his buyout situation is set up in a way that's going to make it advantageous for UCF to do that. We just talked about how they don't invest money in the program. They're sure not going to pay a big buyout, which is what they'd have to pay right now. But I don't you know, I you could pick any coach you want from any basketball team in the world and put them in charge of UCF men's basketball right now. And next year's going to be a bad year. And at that point, yeah. the buyout drops. and I think he's probably gone. So I don't see a path with, to there not being a coaching change, but you change coaches and I'm just not really sure what changes. Uh, it's a bandit. It's not going to fix anything. That's what it is. It's it's the culture around UCF basketball and 
there really isn't a culture. I, I probably shouldn't even say that word. There's well, not and, a culture. And speaking of there not being a culture, we talked a lot about how the administration doesn't invest. The fans don't care either. The fans don't go to the basketball games. And we talked about this a billion times. I mean, it's like if they get a big opponent, then they'll show up. And even then, it's like 50-50. Only they'll actually show up game to game. There is just no fan support. Men's basketball isn't a big thing on campus at all. The student section is typically pretty good, but that's a small student section. Like you, you, I'm like, I'm happy with the way the students show up for those games, but I still kind of look around at other programs and it's just, that's, it's still not a culture thing. It's just like, Oh, there's something to go do. But like with other programs, especially all these big 12 programs, the students on those campuses and obviously the, the wider fan bases and, and probably to a more of an extent, they care a lot. And that is a part of their lives. Not just, yeah, sure, we'll go to the basketball game. No, it's, I mean, it, for a lot of these schools, it's close to or as big of a deal or more big of a deal than football. That's true for, yeah. that's true for the teams moving with UCF. Cincinnati and Houston basketball is a huge deal. And I'm not saying it has to be that for UCF. And I don't think it's ever going to be. I just don't think that UCF, it's just not something that's, if it's gotten 50 years in and it's not, it's just not going to be. But it, it, you have to at least find a way to just not be the actual doormat every year. And as of now, I don't see, what's going to change to make that not the case other than UCF just like locking into some really good recruits and that is a bigger thing in basketball because since there's only five guys on the court at a time and only so many on a roster I mean you if you run into one really really good recruit then yeah it can change the trajectory of your program but like what we're just gonna like just basically just like hands out with the lights off stumbling in the dark like hope we find a good recruit and then maybe we'll have a good season like is that is that what the ceiling is for men's basketball now well I don't know you look at the season that they're having right now and they have a potential lottery pick definitely a first round nba draft pick and this is the season they're having so yeah they're probably that's because I mean, of dawkins coaching that's what they yeah say. so yeah um, why is he even here in the first place why why did hendrix come to ucf but that's a that's a different conversation but yeah i, I don't know it's just it's a culture thing it's a resources thing it, i mean and to an extent it's a coaching thing but there's really no reality that i see where ucf men's basketball is even like close to 500 in the next few years. Oh, that's five. No, absolutely not. I mean, I think they'll like, still do about what they usually do at a conference, but like, yeah, they're just not good. You, you know how Tulsa has been in the AAC this year. That's UCF next year in the big 12. I mean, it's going to be rough. That sucks. All right. Well, we move on to the second least ready program. And I guess I'll, I'll go first this time since you went first with the other one. Um, I didn't think I'd say this. Well, I wouldn't have said this at this time last year, obviously, but a lot has changed. I'm going with women's basketball. I also went with women's basketball. And I don't think it's like a reflection on Satya Messer quite yet. I mean, I, I don't think we've seen enough to really know. I think she obviously has the experience of coaching in the Big 12 as an assistant, and she knows the league. But it's just the situation that she walked into was dire. Like, yeah, Coach Abe, Coach Abe turned the program around and then gutted the program on her way out. I mean, which is I mean, her right to do. She can take whatever player she wants. That's the way the, the, the world works these days. But there was no no real roster in place for Messer. There still kind of isn't. She's got a lot of recruiting to do. And even when they kind of get back to being competitive again, it's still a tough league. You know, it's funny. It's been a pretty miserable season for women's basketball, and they still have a shot at finishing 500 here. I think there's something like 13 and 13 right now. That's kind of nuts, yeah. given that they basically, like, as of two months before the season, didn't really have a roster. So that that's pretty impressive. I think that does speak to Satya Messer's coaching ability that they've kind of managed to have like a an okay season given how horrific the roster. Like this is just a, you know, like pieces slapped together like rental roster. Yeah. I mean, this is not the vision at all. And you know, you look at the Big Twelve, and the one unfortunate thing is it's kind of going to be like the UConn days because Baylor is a very dominant program in the Big Twelve in women's basketball, and they have that to deal with again. But Satya was part of that, and you know, I it, and I think that. She was hired because with the idea that she could get recruits and she could get the right recruits and she can get them to Orlando. Jury's just so out on whether that's possible. Yeah. Um, I think that they will be fine long-term, but I think their ceiling is lower than it was in the AAC, obviously. I don't think they're ever going to be like winning a whole bunch of conference titles or anything just because of the other teams in that league. And I think in the short term, they're just it's going to take a couple years to rebuild this roster to something that looks effective. And I, I just think in the short term, they have issues and in the long term the ceiling's lower than what it was a year ago. Yeah, and that's the biggest part of it to me. I think I think I don't want to touch on this point with every program because yes, UCF's a football school and that's not going to really change, but it is an investment thing I think with, with women's basketball too, but it really is just you look at some of these programs like Baylor just won the national championship a few years ago, went to the lead eight, you know, two years after that. BYU's got a pretty good team coming in, a uh, good program coming in. Iowa State's solid. Kansas State I think is pretty solid. Oklahoma State. So I mean, you've got 
a lot of I don't know. I don't know if they're they're all like top brands, but they're all pretty solid programs. Baylor is a brand, obviously. Um, and yeah, it's just it, I think the ceiling. It's just I don't know. It's hard to even really picture in a lot of these sports. Like I would imagine at some point. Well, I don't know. Maybe not. I'm, like, I'm trying to picture UCF women's basketball 15 years down the road winning in the conference championship. Yeah, it's the well, like, in a lot I'm of ways the big. And the same thing still... with like baseball and everything. Well, in a lot of ways, the Big Twelve move is still sinking in. Like I was on the way home today. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about and i i listened to a 10 minute conversation about what the big 12 preseason media poll might look like and then they suddenly mentioned cincinnati and i was like oh like right i'm listening this is about ucf's conference like i li- it was a whole conversation and i just at no point was like i'm just like, yeah big 12 like just didn't click in my brain when do you think that's gonna UCF. wear off probably when some games have been played i mean i remember yeah. i was pretty young when they made the aac move i think i was 16 that first year but like you got used to that pretty quickly like, like by 2014 it was like yeah these are the teams it almost might be like media. I think media days might even do it. It might, honestly, when they have all those uniform mannequins up there and UCFs among them. I think it's, I honestly think a couple games then it'll just feel like it, you know? Cause, yeah. And it's weird because even the AAC, I say that it felt normal pretty quickly, but also like a lot of that league was teams that UCF had history with or was coming with them from CUSA. So, but. And then it know. changed. Like after the first year, Louisville left and they're in the rut and Rutgers left. So you ever think about how the AAC was basically stable for four years because they 2013 Louisville and Rutgers played for a year and then left. Then in 2014, East Carolina, Tulsa and Tulane joined. Then in 2015, Navy joined. Then there were a few years of normalcy. Then UConn left in 2019 or right after 2019. And then another year went by and now Cincinnati, UCF and Houston really like it was just that league was never normal. Like there was always like someone coming in or someone going basically the whole time it's existed. And it's especially still not normal when you look at the, the teams that have replaced the outgoing teams. But yeah, there is nothing more hilarious to me that the, the the day that UCF plays its first Big 12 conference game, USF is going to be hosting Rice in a league game. Like that's just <laughs> that that if that's not proof that there is a God, I don't know what is. I, I mean, it, it's <laughs> oh just God. it's amazing. It's so amazing when you flash back to. 10, 15 years ago in USF thinking that they were the coolest thing in the world and blocking UCF from entering the Big East and then thinking they were going to run the AAC. And now they're playing a conference game with Rice. Rice, the school. Charlotte. I you, right. you, USF's in a league with three different owls. And one of those owls is a state rival who's probably better than USF. I mean, FAU is probably going to beat them this year. It's just, it's crazy. Like, explain to me, give me any tangible reason that FAU is not a better program than USF right now. I don't know that I mean I, I don't know that I can. Yeah, I don't know. It's so it's so interesting. It's gonna be so interesting this fall to just see how that goes. Like, cause I don't think enough really is being made about how this is I don't want to get on the tangent here, but USF went from being in the big east to being in this version of the AAC. Which for those of you who are like if you're newer to college football or you're younger, you weren't like a big fan of the sport in the BCS days. The Big East was a power conference. Before there was a power five, there were BCS conferences and non-BCS conference. The Big East was a BCS conference. That was like USF was a power five team. And now West they're Virginia, playing Rice. Pitt, I mean, it was Cincinnati the weirdest league time, ever. Yeah. It was like USF, West, it was USF, West Virginia, Pitt, Cincinnati, Syracuse, Boston College, UConn. I'm missing someone. Mm. Louisville um, and yeah. Rutgers and whatever. It was weird, that is a weird. I never really put that together, how weird of a league that is. It was like a really bad league too. That's why I always laugh at like when Miami fans talk, like that was the league that Miami dominated. Like it was literally like the last Miami's last conference championship came in a year where half of their conference games were against Syracuse, Pitt, Boston college, and UConn like that. Or, and, <laughs> and, and Temple Temple was in the league that year too. Like it's just, well, what's funny league, too is that like, they're still in a league with Syracuse, Boston college and Pitt. And like, they're not even beating them now. So I know. It's, it, <laughs> like, it's just funny to me that the AAC almost its entire stretch as the AAC was probably a stronger league than it ever was as the big East, but the big East was considered a power conference and the AAC was not like, doesn't really make sense. But anyway, this was a weird tangent to get into on yeah. the topic of how will <laughs> women's basketball be in the big 12, but Hey, what can do you, you have anything else to say about women's basketball? Nah, let's keep where this is going to be a year long podcast. If we don't keep it moving. Okay. So. Number five, you're, you're up. I had baseball. Same. We're going to, I think we might not. Uh, this is awesome. The next one, the next one's where it is kind of gets maybe interesting. Oh, really? Okay. We'll see. So I got to say, I had baseball. I would have had baseball and women's basketball flipped, but some, but an anonymous former player handing baseball $4 million to play with uh, <laughs> can, can move it, move them up a little bit. So I didn't, I, mean, I didn't consider that, but that's actually, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, this is a tough baseball league, man. This, this, it's not as tough <laughs> as it is for men's basketball, but it's tough. Like, this is going to be a little. I have, 
I have some like the tournament records. I was doing this. I did a story on this uh, on Night Sports Now, like last what was that? Last September, I think. I was working on it when we went up to the Louisville game, I think. Um, but I'm going to do like an updated version later this summer. So I've kind of been keeping like a running track. When I look at the baseball league, the, it's weird because like the teams that are good are like elite, and then there's programs that are just like nothing. Like so, like B- Baylor maybe is an exception. Let me just go down the list here. Like Baylor made the, the tournament in 2018 and 2019 and haven't since. BYU hasn't made it within the last five years. Cincinnati had an appearance in 2019. Didn't, you know, that's it. Houston's last one was 2018. Iowa State doesn't have a team. Kansas and Kansas State haven't been to the tournament in the last five years. But then you get down to Oklahoma State has been to the Super Regionals in 2019. They hosted a regional last year. They've been in the tournament 2018, 19, 21, and 22. TCU is along the same lines. They've made it for three out of the last, no, they've made it the last three tournaments. Texas Tech is another one where they went to the College World Series in 2018 and 19 and made it back to the tournament in 21 and 22. Like, those are just programs that are perennial tournament teams. Let me ask you a question. There's this movie, Field of Dreams. Yes. I haven't seen it personally. Um, I know that I'll probably catch heat from that for some of you. because I'm wondering where this is going now. (laughs) So there's like a famous line in the movie, right, where it's like, there, he builds a stadium or something. I don't know. It sounds to me like a movie of a man who's severely mentally ill and thinks he's seen baseball players and all this stuff. But so he <laughs> builds the stadium, right? <laughs> Bailey's lost it. And a guy or a player or something is like, is this heaven? Right. That's a quote in the movie. And I, I haven't seen this movie in forever. I'm yeah. a huge baseball person, but and, I haven't seen it in forever. But he says like, is, is this is heaven? Right. And the guy says, no, this is Iowa. Like, that's a thing. Right. In the movie. <laughs> yeah. How does Iowa State not have a baseball team? They like the MLB built a freaking cornfield baseball stadium in the damn state to play a pro baseball game. And Iowa Where State Iowa doesn't have that? a baseball team. Clearly not names. No, so it wasn't. <laughs> it was like, what if Iowa State just like was like, what if it wasn't names and Iowa State was like, we'll just use this field for, for the rest of the season. How do, they play not, one game here. how do they have a baseball team? Uh, like, how does that make sense? You're the only state. Where there's a, a literal baseball movie that's so famous that MLB went to a cornfield and had a really creepy broadcast <laughs> where players were like emerging from the corn for the game. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And Iowa State doesn't have a baseball, not only doesn't have a baseball team, but their fans on social media make fun of the other teams for playing baseball. Was this a prepared rant? No. Because it sounds like it was, but I was just, I swear also, to at the God, same it was time, not. At the same time, I, it's like, it, it also, the just how incredulous you are makes it seem like, yeah, I just told you for the first time that Iowa State doesn't have a baseball no, team. No, I knew they didn't but have a baseball cool. team, but something about, I'm just sitting here now and you're saying that, I'm just like, that's so ridiculous. And I, it just, it, it's, it's been eating away at me, but man, I, it, I don't get it. I don't get Anyways, it. Anyways, UCF baseball. <laughs> I don't know. I just, it's, it's weird to, it's going to be weird to see where they fit in because they haven't been particularly like good, good. in the AAC era. Like they haven't been that good. They've made the tournament since 2017. They were a bubble team in 18 and 19. Um, but it's Florida. So it's like, you're going to be a power power conference baseball team in Florida. So I imagine at some point you will start to build up and be consistently solid. I would think. Like yeah, the I'm kind of thinking along there. the same lines. And that's where I ha- why I have them where I have them where they're not at the bottom, but they're not at the top is like, I think that the tools are there, but I also think the tools are there now and they haven't really hit what they should be hitting. So I'm just, I'm kind of in wait and see mode with them. I think that maybe they'll have a good year this year. I mean, they got destroyed by FAU, but then went and swept Clemson. So I don't know, but they have access to talent. Unlike the basketballs, they have legitimate resources. I mean, baseball has always been, well-funded and well-resourced due to booster interest and that's been valuable but i I, you kind of you're waiting to see the results in the love lady era and i know there have been extenuating circumstances blah 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 whatever but i'm just not convinced since we haven't really seen those results in the aac yet and i i absolutely don't think love ladies even remotely on the hot seat or close to it at all I, i i don't i don't really know what to expect in the big 12 i don't know what the ceiling is of this program i don't think they're capable at least in the short term of for the next five years of breaking into that upper elite tier you were talking about yeah I don't think so either. I'm kind of thinking them like looking at, and it's different because when you look at what they've done in the AAC, there's been some years maybe where I don't remember how many conference games they played, but say they went, I don't know, 17 and 13 in the conference or 16 and 14. It's not the same competition. Obviously if you're playing 30 big 12 baseball games, it's different, but if they do and they have that same record, they might end up 
more like more in the mix because of the Big Twelve is a stronger baseball conference than the AAC. Sure, I like, think it's like a, that's how we talked about that. With, more accessible, I do think yeah. that's the case. Because we've talked about that with basketball, but basketball is just so far from even getting to that fifteen and fifteen mark that it doesn't feel real. But for baseball, it seems possible. And, and I do, I do agree with that. Like, I like, I, I guess that's the thing is it's probably baseball will. I don't know. It's weird what you trade because, like, I think they'll win like fewer games than they're winning now, but probably have make it to the postseason more often, which is kind of fun <laughs> to think about. They'll and have a better resume. They'll have a better resume. I guess that's what you want. And I think you know because because AAC baseball isn't the strongest thing. You've got East Carolina, and then you've got the other ones. And I, I you know, <laughs> I think that that gets old for the fan base. I think, and so from this perspective, I do. And like you said, putting Power Five baseball in Orlando feels valuable. It does. And maybe they can build something there and they're going to have four million new dollars to do so with. So <laughs> I'm I'm that's cautiously still, optimistic for baseball. That's still crazy to think about. Yeah, what do you I, do with that four million dollars. And again, just thank you to Dylan Moore for giving that money to you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke for anyone who didn't listen to last week's podcast. We don't know who uh, we don't know who gave the money. But yeah, I, but so, we feel like there are very few candidates who could who could it could be feels like a short list, although. We did make the point where it's like it doesn't have to be someone who ended up making the league. It could have just been like someone who got rich off of real estate. I think you said that last week. I did, and so. I still stand by that. I I feel like it was. I feel like it was wasn't a former player who went pro. I think it was someone who just went on to have a very nice life. Like that's that's kind of where I've fallen in the predictions. But that seems almost more likely. I don't know. I think why. it is because I don't. Know, how many UC? How many UCF former UCF players have not only made it to MLB but had a strong enough career to have like five million dollars to just throw around? Like that's a lot of money. It's a really good point. It's yeah, more than I, I make. Know. So, but hey, thanks, Dylan Moore. <laughs> I just want to keep running with that. We'll just keep running with that until we're told not to. Um, but yeah, that's gonna be. I just, I'm just curious to see what they're gonna do with that four million dollars. But that's a different conversation for another day. Um, number four. This is where I think we might have our first difference. Okay, I'm going with football. Football. Oh, this is different. Is it? Where do you have? What do you want to say? Where you have football, or do you want to say wait, you have at number four? I guess you should probably say where you have football so we could talk. About I it, had right? football at number three. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Giant difference. I almost want to like see what your number four is so I can see what my number. Th- yeah. Okay. Should I just say what my number four is? We'll talk okay, about it. Okay. So if we just talk about football now. Well, let me just say, I'll say what my other one is and then we'll talk about it after. We'll do football first. My number four okay. is women's soccer. Okay, my number three was women's soccer. So that's our only. So we just flipped those. All right, well, we'll talk about football. But your three are my three, your four. Um, hit me with it. What, what's your football. issue with football? Um, I don't know. I don't. Okay. I don't really know. This is. I had an issue with with three and four. I was. I was flipping, just trying to decide whether I wanted to flip them or not, and I was having problems. I think football is going to compete relatively soon like I, the reason i was like hesitant to put them at four was i was like i think they could go maybe like just a game under 500 in conference play this year i think so too which is stupid but i'm still i don't know i don't know but i think they is. could also go four and eight this year like we're just not so and we don't even really know what the final form of this team is going to look like yet there's probably still some transfer movement to come following spring john rice Plumley is not looking like he's going to be very down for uh contributing a lot at spring ball given that he's lighting it up on the baseball field baseball diamond baseball field i don't know one of those things We'll get some more of that and what the JRP do, but I do think that football, especially long term, I think they're set up to have really good. Setup. Yeah, that's what that's what Gus says, right? This place is set up. Uh, you know, that's like his go-to quote. I mean, I'm sick of it. <laughs> he says it so many times. Every time I listen to a radio interview, too, he gives the same like four prepared lines, and the radio host of the other like school is like, "Oh, wow, that's yeah, that's exciting." But that's why he's he has a the car line. salesman. I would I would buy any car from Gus. Like I feel like it's like he does he would do it in season. Like they lose to East Carolina, and I'd be like, this is insane. Like they just got beat up on by East Carolina. And then he talks at a press conference for three minutes, and I'm just like, UCF might win a national championship before I'm 30. Like I just it's it's ridiculous. But <laughs> all that being said, I do think UCF set up. UCF is taking all of the advantages you already know if you're listening to this podcast that they have in football, and they're attaching the power the power five brand to it, and that's huge. I think they're 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 already recruiting better than they ever have, and I think it's just going to get better. They're so ahead of schedule on recruiting from where they should be right now, and that's what has me excited. This is a league in football where it's scary and it's exciting, and it's scary because every single program except Kansas cares deeply about football and really badly wants to win a conference title and go to the playoff. But at the same time, there is no dominant program like a Clemson or an Alabama or someone who's just going to take up that top spot every year. I think teams are going to rotate up and down. I don't think UCF's going to ever get to the point in this league, at least in the short term, 
or in the next 10 years, I'll say, where they're going 10 and two or 11 and one every year. But I think you're going to see a lot of teams kind of cycle through where UCF will kind of build up and have like an eight and four, a seven and five, a nine and three, then break out for this 11 and one. And then the cycle kind of repeats. I think that being an old team in this league is going to be really valuable. I think the years where you get your seniors together are going to be big. And I, so for those reasons, I think UCF can be near the top of this league a lot of the time. I really do. I think that every few years they can get into that circle and regularly be a winning team and an eight win team and things like that. I, I just, I think all the pieces are there. I mean, we've seen how good UCF is in football, the group of five level. All that was missing was the power five brand and resources. And they have that. Now. They have that. Yeah, I'm glad you make a point about the parity, too, because I wanted to talk about that. I also wanted to say that the top four to me feels like all four of these programs are. If you're going to say, are they ready to compete or are they not? I would say all four of those in the top four and my top four and I guess your top four all feel ready. So this is kind of where there's a little bit more like of a chance for for differences, because I think they're already just maybe at a little bit different. There was a top four Um, and a bottom three that that much felt clear to me when making this list for sure. Yeah, and I think a lot of that just it comes it comes down to some objective feelings, and I think for football, like that's the thing is the the parity makes it so that they're probably going to compete pretty quickly, but it also means that everyone's pretty solid. Yep. So like it's it's not like they're going to breeze through anything at any point. I think there's other sports where there there are some top tier teams or some top tier programs like year in and year out, but there's also kind of a clear just like drop off. With football, there's not really that drop-off. And I think that's why I ended up with them at four, but I was very close to putting them at three. What's Just interesting, like you said, with all the all the resources are there, and they're getting five stars on campus for visits, but even they don't even have to get those guys. It's like the four stars that they're getting, they've got what? They got three four stars in this class, was it? Uh, yeah, like they got three gonna... top 300 players and a top 100 yeah. player. And I think that's only going to grow. That's only going to grow once they're into the league and established as a Big 12 program, so... And when they're having success at the Big 12 level, then it's then it just kind of it's like a I don't know if this is going to make sense, like a self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like you start playing really well in the Big 12 level and you're only going to get better because you're already good. Yeah, I agree. With that, that makes sense. Sure. Okay. I, I mean, but what you said about the parity makes sense, too, because you look at this league and. I mean, I'm going to list some teams out right now. Uh, TCU, Houston, West Virginia, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, Baylor, UCF. That's what eight teams I just listed. I wasn't counting. Yeah, yeah, those are eight teams, and all eight of those teams, and I might be missing some. I'm not, I was trying. To, I wasn't trying to list the whole league, but those eight teams at least are all in the same conference and all have about the same ceiling as a football program, and that's pretty wild to think about. Like these are a lot of teams that could be really good at the same time, and I think that can, and that we've kind of seen that in the Big Twelve these last few years, and I think it can. And then there's Texas Tech and Iowa State and Kansas who are a little different, but still like even then Iowa State went to the Fiesta Bowl a couple of years ago. Texas Tech is recruiting like crazy right now. They have the second best class in the Big 12. So it's just it, fans are going to have to for football redefine success a little bit because I think that there are going to be good seasons, but I think there are going to be a lot of eight and four seasons and some seven and five seasons. And that's just going to be fine. And frankly, we're moving into an era where there's a 12 team playoff. The, the conference champion of the Big 12 is always going to be in the playoff. The runner-up team is going to be in most years, too. UCF doesn't have to win the league outright to achieve these big, giant things. They can just hover in that top sphere. There may even be years where the Big 12 gets three in. That would have happened a few times if you stretched the 12-team playoff back 20 years. So stay in that upper tier. Stay having winning seasons and be in position to pop up for an 11-1 or 10-2 season. You'll be fine. That's the ceiling. That's what this is. I like it. I think what the frustrating thing is going to be for me and probably for you and just for the people with you know a little bit more of a rational brain is that that adjustment or readjustment of what success is that uh, has to happen <laughs> i don't know if it's going to happen for a lot of people i think it's going to happen so quick. it's just i think it's going to happen. you think quick. it you think it i will? actually do i'm trying to figure out I I, so. so i have 11 big 12 teams listed that i came up with for that explanation and i don't know which one i'm missing and it's stressing me out did you want to name all of them again yeah tcu houston west virginia kansas state oklahoma state cincinnati oh it's kansas i was missing kansas never mind i got them all did you mention byu yep uh, byu was oh. the one i didn't mention but i just yep never mind that was just a dumb tangent for no reason but anyway um i think the adjustment will happen quicker than you think because let's keep in mind that like the whole expectation that ucf should be 12 and 0 every year that's a four-year-old expectation yeah. And I think that next year will be humbling. And I think that it's pretty quickly UCF fans will realize, okay, this just isn't necessarily attainable at this level. And 
you know, you look at TCU, TCU is a team who they were in the Mountain West for a long time and they had a lot, they had more success than UCF did, honestly. They, I mean, UCF's peak was maybe a little, probably not even higher. TCU won a Rose Bowl, but TCU was very good for a very long time. They got to the Big 12, couldn't keep that up. They've still won the league. They've still gone to the national championship game. It's just, there have been years in between that weren't as awesome. And I think that eventually UCF fans in two or three years will understand. I think the key will be the first time they have a good season. Like, I think if they go three straight years, like let's say UCF goes, I don't know. I'm going worst case. I don't think it's going to happen. But say they go like four and eight next year, then like five and seven the year after, and then like four and eight again. Like, yeah, fans are going to freak out as they should. But like if UCF goes like, I don't know, eight and five or seven and six in year one, and then by year two or year three, they've had one of those nine or ten win seasons. I think getting one of those out of the way will calm fans down because they just need to know it can happen, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think the point you made about it being a f- that going undefeated every year or winning 10 or 11 games every year is a four-year, four-year-old expectation. I also think it was probably a product of being in the AAC. I agree. I think going, you know, winning 25 games in a row had everyone thinking, well, we're just levels above everyone in the AAC. And that's that's why they should be at this level every year. And when you're going to the Big 12, you're making that jump into the Power 5. Yeah, I think I guess naturally people might have to be like, Okay, well, we're not in the AAC anymore. We can't be expecting twelve and zero every year. So you're probably right. I think yeah, I don't. I, I don't think, think I so. give them enough credit. I don't think I give enough credit. But you know, that's what I do. I also think expectations have already changed a little bit in the last couple of years. Like I think, like I look back on like, and it's maybe it's not a good thing, but like, like I think that like, well, like when UCF lost to like Tulsa towards the end of 2019, I thought that the world itself was going to ignite into flame when that happened from the way the fan base was reacting, like. Equally terrible, but like when UCF lost to Navy this past year, it was still really bad reaction, but it wasn't like what it was when there were losses in 2019. Like I think fans are come down a little bit from that 2017-2018 high of like, okay, we we don't need to actually set the world on fire every time UCF loses a game because they're going to lose games. Now, does that make losing to Navy at home to cost yourself a conference championship home game okay? No. No, it does not. No. <laughs> and we will complain about that loss for the rest of time. But it's still, I it, for, as far as how fans have reacted, it does ebb and flow. I mean, UCF, like, Sometimes we forget it's not like for the last 30 years UCF fans have expected perfection. That's a very recent expectation, and I do think that will wear off in a league where fans figure out pretty quickly, hey, this isn't – there aren't a bunch of Temples and Tulsas and Tulanes and whoever's in this league. There are a lot of teams that look a whole lot like us, and that's going to make things more difficult. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I think that's that's probably more closer to what most of the fan base will think, and I think that's probably a good thing. Um, But Okay, so my number three – and your number four was women's soccer, right? Correct. Okay, so let's talk women's soccer. Why Why did you put them below football? Because, because I'm more day. excited about football. No, I don't know. Um, my main reason for <laughs> bopping women, I guess bop, bopping. bopping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they bumping, got bopped. Bumping women's soccer is what I was looking for. Bumping women's soccer below football was that they, they're they just coming off a pretty sweet season, but they've definitely been trending in the wrong direction for probably about five years now. And I don't like... And that's not to say they've been bad because they have not been bad. They've still been good, but they've definitely like the disappointing seasons have like snuck in a bit and bit more over the last few years. And I'm a little curious if things are going to continue to go in the right direction, if that makes sense. I mean, we talk about, if I remember right, I think that last year they made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. I think that was their only tournament appearance of the last five years. Correct. And for a program that's had a lot of success, that's surprising. So it's not necessarily like I have any tangible reason. They should be good on paper. This is also a sport that doesn't have a dominant force in the league. There isn't a year in year out dominant team, but I'm just a little like, you know, they, they haven't necessarily lived up to expectations in the AAC. So I feel a little weird putting them too high on how well they're going to project out in the big 12. Yeah. I mean, that's all fair. I think I look at it and what you mentioned, this is a program maybe in the last five years has trended in the wrong direction, but have has had success before. And I think that's kind of where I've tapped into where I'm like, I think this is a program that's proven itself. And yeah, I guess the last five years thing is kind of weird because this was like this past season was a really, really, really good season. And going off, going off of what's happened in the last five years, that was like an outlier. Yeah. But I think that's more of what this program is. Like, it just feels weird to say that since it was only once in the last five years, but I feel like that's what this program is capable of. And when you look at the league, like it's, it's a top heavy league. Like BYU is really, really good. They lost the national championship a couple of years ago. They went to the Sweet 16 last year. West Virginia makes the tournament just about every year. Same with TCU. Some other some other programs are in there that have, have made the tournament pretty recently. But like you look at Cincinnati, they're kind of a nothing program. Houston, Iowa State, Kansas State, none of them have 
appearances in the last five years. So it's like you can pretty easily, easily is a tough word to say, easy, like you, you can realistically, I think, jump into that league and be kind of one of the middle tier programs already. Yeah, they definitely have not as not nearly as steep of a climb as some of these other programs do. And, and, you know, I, we talk about, yeah, they've only had one term in appearance in the last five years, but like they also in 2019, I don't know, they went 11 and four and four and five and two and two in conference and didn't make the tournament. Like that's a good year. They just didn't make the tournament. So yeah, they've had, they've had success. And it, like yeah. I said, it's just the, it feels like more often than not for the last half decade, it's been like, Oh, women's soccer is not as good as I thought they were going to be this year. And that worries me a little bit when they make this jump, but as you just point out, you're right. It, it, they should be able to come in at the middle level, and then it's not a huge build to get from there to the top of the league. Not a huge build at all. And I think part of what made me think about this was like having such stability with the head coach. Mm-hmm. I think like that's Robert Sahadak. Robert Sahadak's been around for a long time. I can't even recall when she was hired. Yeah, she's but it's a been a while. I think she's been. She's probably she's probably what the second longest tenured coach behind, behind Dajane, I think. Probably. Yeah, of, of these programs we're talking about, obviously, I think the cheerleading coach has been the longest, right? Yeah, um, I just meant of the of the of yeah the of the ones we're of the ones we're talking. Yeah, so I don't know. I think that I think that helps a lot, and it just I don't know. I, I think the the ceiling for that program, or no, I'd say the floor for that program, I don't think is as low as some other ones. Like I, I think they're probably going to be around the middle the middle tier of the of the women's soccer landscape and above for most years. Yeah, I agree with that. You kind of, you kind of, maybe I could put them above football. I don't know. Cause I, cause you know, the thing is when you were talking about football, it was like, oh, I could have put them, I probably could have put them at three. So it's these two are like right there. They're in the same realm, basically. Yeah. And I do think that like, I don't know. You can, if you say they're in the same realm, the coin flip could be that, well, football definitely has a, has more competition to get into that top spot and stay there. I also think that. I say, well, women's soccer has done worse than we would have expected them to the last few years. Like you can probably say the same thing for football. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. depending on the year, not for 20, I'm still fine with 2021 being what it was with the injuries they had, but this season, obviously they had the late season collapse that kind of ruined everything. 2020 was kind of a mess, you know, said, said you can sort of say the same thing for football. It, it's not well, like football has been lighting the world on fire the last three years. You mentioned how football has a tougher climb to that top spot, but they also have more of the resources to get to that they top do. spot. So they it really do. is. They're but they're both pretty even right here in that three and four range. So I can't wait to see who comes out on top in the football slash women's soccer rivalry of UCF that will be taking place over the next few years in the Big Twelve. It's gonna be great. Like women's soccer is gonna win. Like they're gonna beat Oklahoma State on a Friday night, and then football is gonna go out and lose to like Baylor or something, and the women's soccer team's gonna be happy. Yeah, but I'm sure you see based on these rankings alone. <laughs> and UCF's fan base will be like, ah, yeah, football lost to Baylor. But women's soccer had a good game on Friday, and that's what I care about. So that'll definitely be all the fan base right. Me and Bailey will be thrilled. <laughs> and, the general, and the general fan base will be like, can these two podcasts hosts shut the hell up about women's <laughs> soccer and talk about UCF's stunning loss to Baylor on the football field where John Rice Plumley threw three interceptions? And be like, no, <laughs> we'll talk about the good things. That's it. <laughs> okay. So for, for the top two spots, I think there's a potential here that we have these flipped too. I'm going to be upset if we do, because I think it's clear what the order is, but let's find out. I, okay, so I said the last one, so it's your turn. All right, I have second, I have volleyball. Okay, me too. Okay, all right, we're okay. Whew, you, you, you were looking at me very quizzically, and I was like, man. I thought, I thought you were going to put softball, because you've been kind of down on the softball season so far. I mean, really, I'm down, like, I'm down so. on the start to the season. Well, by the way, when Bailey says I'm down, I text Bailey at least once a night. I am so angry at UCF softball every because I you texted go- me. You texted me yesterday. I think you said I hate, I hate softball or something like I that. Did. <laughs> like the sport. I'm just done with it. Yeah. I. I it's like I think what's happening with softball is that I'm becoming what the football fans became after 2017. Like <laughs> last year was so good. Now when they lose, I'm so upset about it. Like I just like Louisville. I'm like you just beat them. Like I just I, yeah. But then you look at it you're like that, well, that's how the sport works. Like it's just... I know, but I don't care. I'm an angry fan. I, I just, and it was this weekend was especially weird for me because as I mentioned earlier, I was in Georgia the whole weekend, so I was like not really like. I, I was not, I didn't get to watch any of the many UCF sporting events this weekend. I basically just got to check Twitter like once every 30 minutes. And like, I would go and like, be like, okay, John Rice Plumlee did something cool. That's awesome. And then I'm like, what is softball doing? Like, just like every time I see a score, so I'm, I'm going through it with softball. But that being said, I still, well, we'll talk about volleyball. I forgot run volleyball. Oh man. But yeah, here's my big, we'll talk about softball in a second. But the why I put volleyball second is I have like a really, significant fear with volleyball that i hope is irrational but might not be and it's that 
every time they go to the tournament, they can't do anything. And the competition is a lot better in the Big 12. And I'm like, oh, no, what if the AAC is just that bad at volleyball? That's a that's a good point. And that's a different reason for for having them at number two than, than the one I had. Go on. My thing has been they've been so successful over these last, what, five or six years. And they've been successful. They've had a really, really, really good team, right? Yep. But they've also had the best player in maybe almost any UCF sport, the most dominant UCF athlete in some respects ever. A player, and now, McKenna Melville, who we're talking about, by the way, a yeah, player who yeah. also played longer than she should have been allowed to due to the COVID year. <laughs> right. And so now they're about to move into their first season without her since what would have been 2017 or so. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. I, I'm nervous about it. I, I yeah, that's even scary. Why do we have softball at second man? Let's put it like ninth. No, <laughs> we don't. This... Wait, you volleyball or volleyball? Why do we have volleyball oh. at second man? Let's put it at ninth after this conversation. But the flip side, Todd Dagenet being... is is good. The flips of Todd Dagenet, big Terry Mahadra fan, by the way. But the uh, the <laughs> the flip side being that Todd Dagenet is a fantastic coach who's been there for many many years, longest tenured UCF coach. I, I think since 08 I'm yeah, pretty which, sure. Like man, I was like a child. Like that's crazy. I was in about. fifth grade. Were you really in fit? God, I keep forgetting I'm older than you. Um, but by one anyway, year, <laughs> yeah, but still I was in middle school. It's a whole different world, man. Um, <laughs> all that being said, I, uh, don't remember what point I was about to make, but I, oh yeah, that's right. Dajanae being the coach forever. This is guys, I, I, I was in a car like right before until you're doing, you're doing great from eight 30 this morning to right when we started recording, I was in a car and I was driving the car. Like I was an active driver. So it was just, I'm glad you're an active driver and not <laughs> an inactive driver. That well, I don't know. Like I was going to say, so where my brain went originally was going, I was going to say that. I was an active participant in the driving of the car, which like does not make sense. So then I just pivoted mid-sentence. But all that being said, at the flip side, like you said, volleyball has had so much success. I mean, they have been, I know, I know that the AAC isn't like some dominant volleyball league, but volleyball league, but they just have steamrolled that league year after year for quite some time now. And you can't tell me that won't translate to like at least the top third of a power five baseball or a power five volleyball league. Excuse me for saying the right. wrong sport two times there. <laughs> and when I look at it too, it's like, yeah, maybe the AAC was really bad in volleyball, but UCF did what they were supposed to do with a really bad conference. Like they were, they went 18 and 0 at one point. They went like 17 and one this year. Like they, they dominated a bad conference. So like, it's not like they were struggling to win a bad conference. They so. went months without losing a set at one point. Like yeah. the, the, they're very good. So that has to translate, you know, but and there's the, no reason the to volleyball... expect their recruiting to drop off or anything like that. Yeah. And, but the volleyball programs in this league are very, very good. Baylor is a tournament team every year. So is BYU Cincinnati, Cincinnati and Houston, both can be solid. Iowa state's made it a few times. Um, yeah, so that, that's the thing is I was kind of deciding between softball and volleyball. And I looked at this and I was like, every Big 12 volleyball program has made it to the tournament in the last five years, at least once. Wow. That's pretty cool. The only team that hasn't is Oklahoma State. But that's because they don't have a team. Let me so. ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Because yes. I'm doing that thing where I'm on Twitter while we're recording the podcast. And Good. Brandon Helwig just posted a screenshot from one of the men's basketball players' Instagram stories that they're at the Philadelphia 76ers game right now. It says they're taking in um, the 76ers game. Why is the basketball team already in Philadelphia? They don't play till Thursday. I don't know. Did they go straight from Tulsa to Philadelphia? They had to because that game was yesterday. Maybe they did because they didn't want to throw any more risk out there than they had to with planes and flights getting canceled. Okay, guys, <laughs> just take a flight what, to Philly. This is what we're talking about with men's basketball that have resources. You mean to tell me they couldn't even come home for five days between games? They just made them go straight. They're just living in Philadelphia for a week. They said, well, it would be risky to fly to Orlando, and then it'd be risky to fly from Orlando to Philadelphia. So let's just fly straight to Philadelphia and cut These out are students, the numerous guys. They flights have that could get canceled. They that doesn't classes. matter. I, Who cares? Wow. Okay. I if I could put men's basketball eighth on the seventh team list, I would. But <laughs> anyway, I feel like we pretty much covered softball or volleyball. Damn it, man. I volleyball, these two sports are interchangeable, apparently. Volleyball's had a this, this is off the rails. Volleyball has had a ton of success. Dagenet's a great coach. I it's a tough league. You're 100 percent right, but and like I said, I do get worried that every time they've played a tough team in the tournament, they've just folded, and that is yeah concerning. the lack of tournament, lack of tournament, tournament, yeah, tournament success. My goodness, this is going awful. Oh, the lack of tournament success is worrying, but other I than still, that, I still, yeah, 
feel pretty pretty confident over the other sports we've already talked about. But like I said, so they're not going to win every game against a tournament team. Fine, they don't have to. You know, just beat the ones that aren't the tournament. Win some of those games. That's all you got to (laughs) do. Yeah, but softball, softball gets the top spot here. Congratulations to the nine and eight UCF Knights softball team. No, but I mean, seriously, I, I think we saw, and we talked about this when we had Eric Lopez on the podcast a few weeks ago, um, just, just the potential for this program, like what this program could be. And we also talked about, like, this isn't the best softball league, so UCF could very quickly be one of the like best two or three or four programs. I mean, I is... literally, the how softball distinguishes itself from the other six teams on this list to me is just frankly that they're ready. I think they're ready right now. Um, I think you put them in the league this year. Maybe not like this week with how they've been playing, but this year, and I think they're competing. You know, and and now and for the first year in the league, they do have Oklahoma, who is the UConn on the UConn of softball. If UConn was on steroids, so like that, that's an obstacle they're not going to get around. But that's for one year, and I do think after that, I think they very much could not like dominate this league, but I think they will very much regularly be a top two, top three team in this league, and I think that's very exciting because that translates to postseason appearances, regionals. Lots of fun stuff. I I think this team's just freaking ready. Now, the big pin in that is until until Coach Bear just leaves after the season for some reason, which, like, you know, always could happen. We didn't think it would happen with Abe after last yeah. year since she's been here for so many years, so you never know. But based on what we know now and the coach in place now, I, they're ready. They're just flat out ready. Yeah, and I think the, the what helps, too, is that the, even the coach before Coach Bear was, you know, had success. Coach, She was the, the original coach. Was, yeah, was she was there for a very right? long time. Yep um she, she was, was the she built the program basically and they had they had a good deal of success and then there wasn't that much of a drop off but well there, there was maybe for a couple of years um but then not really Bears brought not them. really and i'll admit right now that i thought the program was going to crumble after she left because i just felt like they were so intertwined i didn't think that that was going to no, go well, but leave it to Daniel. i don't White mean there was a drop the off for coach you know i don't mean there was a drop off when coach bear got here i think it was like in the last few years yes of the previous coach i think yeah, they're kind correct. of were like missed the tournament a couple of times but i just dropped my pencil um but i think i think when you look at the league like oklahoma state well oklahoma obviously is the one that runs everything but oklahoma state is kind of on that level almost where in 2018 they made it to a regional 2019 they went to oklahoma city i believe is where the women's college world series series is they went to women's college world series in 19 21 and 22 so that's three straight years since 2020 didn't have a tournament um so they're really good um but other than that it's like byu's decent they're pretty good um and then other than that it's like every other team or every other program is on the same level right now as ucf is so very quickly ucf with the resources with the investment and as long as everything stays stable with the coaching situation i think they'll be a top three program in the league as soon as oklahoma leaves well maybe i don't want to say like when oklahoma leaves they are number three but like they can be number three or two did you know that the first ever ucf sporting event that i covered was a ucf softball game i did yeah we've talked about that a lot so I'll, I'll I, we might have talked about that on the podcast have before we? too actually so i have a soft thought for a softball it was at espn wild world of sports they're playing a tournament there and scared little freshman christian who just wanted to be a reporter one day went out there with his notepad and his bravery and nothing else and Asked some really dumb <laughs> questions that showed very quickly that he did not know what he was doing. So that was his note, his notepad, bravery, nothing else. That's a good line. I like that. Thanks, man. Um, it, was, it was a cool. My line. first, the first one I ever covered was volleyball, and it was like my second weekend at UCF. Like it was moving weekend, and then the following Friday, I was covering a, web, a volleyball game. You hopped right in. Wow, I, think I didn't. Was, I didn't. Cover I think it was against spring. Stony Brook. I don't know why I remember that, but I think it was against Stony Brook. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I don't remember who the right. opponent was for mine. Now I feel like I'm. I'm going to let down, man. You got to find out. You got to go figure it out somehow. I'll have to go find I wrote that. That was for the Central Florida Future, which was the UCF news, uh, school newspaper, which closed after my first year. I was like, can you still find it then? Yeah, there's archives. It was just really funny. Okay. So just a little bit inside baseball for you folks who are listening. So the Central Florida Future was like a legit like, or newspaper. Or inside softball. Like, there you go. Inside softball. <laughs> Thanks, Bailey, for that. And it had been around for many, many decades. It was like a legit newspaper. It was all over campus. There was print editions. It was awesome. And I would really wanted to write for it because my I've mentioned before, my dad went to UCF. My dad's a journalist. He wrote for the paper when he was a student at UCF. So it was like cool when I got to do that. And then I got on with the Central Florida Future. I started covering softball for them. I got fired after two months um, <laughs> by Evan Abramson, who then went on to found Night Sports Now with us after he realized firing me was a mistake. And then Central Florida went out of business and closed that summer. So that was uh, my my dream come true upon coming to UC. No, I 
I had a very similar situation where I, you know, became aware of the central Florida future. And, um, you know, I think I talked to the, so I don't know, we have to get, don't have to get all of them into it. I was really excited to write for the central Florida future. And I think it was the, the year or the summer before my freshman year, um, it closed. And so I was like, Oh, cool. I don't even get to, <laughs> I don't even get to write for it at all. So yeah, that was interesting, but yeah, it was, all that's right, such so. a tangent, but I'm still so bitter about it all these years later that I have to throw that in whenever I can. But anyway, that's good. Um, all right, well, we can jump into the news and our segments. This has actually been a much longer podcast than I thought it would be, um, but good. I think we covered a lot there, which was good. Um, we'll start here. Quick, quick news. Um, some unfortunate news with former UCF president John Hitt dying at 82 last week. Um, man, there's probably too much to say for how little time we have about John Hitt and what he meant to UCF as a university and to UCF athletics and to UCF football. And the, the word I think has been thrown around a lot is visionary. And that's the perfect word, I think. I don't know what other word there is. I mean, John Hitt took over a university with about 20-something thousand students, an FCS football team that hadn't seen a ton of success. A ton of success. And frankly, it was, a full, it was a full-blown computer school. And over the next nearly 30 years, he transformed that into UCF as it is today. This, this amazing, thriving, vibrant, innovative university, biggest in the country with this amazing campus and this amazing on-campus student body and I mean, I had an amazing time at UCF. I it, it, the, I mean, everything that UCF is today, it really traced back to him. And he was a huge advocate for athletics and for the football team in particular, and really was the one who drove the bus on taking that from just another FCS program into being this team on the trajectory to do so many great things. And you can't say enough about him for the school. You really just can't. I mean, and it's insane that UCF has somehow been through like three presidents since he retired, even though it was only five years ago. That's the not so fun part. But no, John Hitt was an absolute visionary and he... He didn't just like set, I mean, he wasn't someone who came in and sort of set the trail and left. I mean, he saw this thing through and freaking built this thing up into what it is now. And you can't say enough good things about him. You just can't. I just had the realization that, because when you said, you said how great of an experience you had at UCF, I agree. I did too. And I think a lot of it has been what was covering UCF athletics and what it turned out to be. And it was just a great experience. I don't think this podcast would exist without John Hitt, as weird as that is to say. <laughs> I don't think it would. That's the quote for this episode. This podcast wouldn't exist without John Hitt. I don't think it would. Like, am I wrong? I don't know if I would have attended UCF if it weren't for John Hitt. I, well, actually, I probably would have. Mm, no, I really don't think I would have because I think UCF probably wouldn't have been a very good school. And I, I was predetermined to go to a good school. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this the Pegasus, that's the biggest takeaway, guys. <laughs> Is that the Pegasus podcast would not have existed without John Hitt, but that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I, honestly, about. you just can't say enough good things about him what he did for the school. You really just can't. Yeah, yeah. I was. I honestly, that was just like that news to me came out of nowhere. I was like, I know kind of, it was, was awful. Like, it it was sort of starting to leak out earlier in the day and a little bit the night before, and it was one of those things that you just hope isn't true. But yeah, yeah. can't say enough good things about him. Yeah. Um, the only other piece of news we had here uh, related to football was UCF running backs coach slash co-offensive coordinator Tim Harris Jr. has left to go be the running backs coach at Miami. So shout yeah. out to Miami for yet another UCF acquisition. Miami fans will scream and cry about how UCF sucks and it's nothing. And then Miami, the actual organization, will take both UCF's players and coaches to try to not be bad. So that that's that's something that is something indeed. Who's ready for the debut of a new segment? What did JRP do? Let's get into it. What did JRP do? <laughs> he Catch did a lot up. this weekend. He did a lot this past week. It was a ton, really. Uh, it didn't start off so well. So on Tuesday, uh, UCF lost thirteen to three to FAU. He went zero for two. Uh, he did get hit by a pitch. Uh, get hit by a pitch, and he scored a run. So one of the three runs came uh, scored by John Rice Plumley. On Friday slash Saturday is game one of the Clemson series. UCF won four to two. He went one for five uh, with four strikeouts and a stolen base. So not a great start to that the seems weekend. Really bad, but okay, go it's on. It's not good. Um, but Saturday, he had a good day. Saturday, like the second second part of the game, or not second part of the game, second part of the day, game two of the series, UCF won 10 to seven against Clemson. He went two for five with a solo home run, his first home run of the season. I think his first home run in about two years because he hasn't played in about two years. Uh, he also hit a single, scored two runs, and struck out once. And then in the game, uh, the season series finale, UCF won 13 to six against Clemson to complete the sweep. He went one for three with a single, two walks, a run scored, and two strikeouts. So mixed bag of a weekend, but some some big heights and some big uh, lows. 
Um, and then the big thing that I think, I don't know if it's the big thing, but it's it's a thing that happened. Um, so UCF completed the sweep, and then they ran down the Victory Hill, I think it's called, at uh, Clemson's football stadium, Memorial Stadium. Um, and JRP posted a TikTok of it, and it quickly got picked up and spread around Twitter and social media, and JRP has since deleted it. I don't know if that was at the advice of someone in the program or what, but now that, that TikTok is technically gone from his page, but it's it's out there. Um, but yeah, so that was that that happened. And then on the season so far through six games that he's played, he has a 318 batting average with one home run, four RBIs, five stolen bases out of five stolen base attempts and nine strikeouts. So 318 is like not uh, bad, right? No, 318 is very good. But I mean, it's, oh, it's okay. such a small sample size right now. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I took in a, a Georgia baseball game this weekend. They lost to Princeton, guys. And uh, it was a really interesting game. There were like 25 total runs, and Georgia went through like six pitchers. Um, but anyway, all that being said, they had, they had two different guys in their lineup who were batting 500 on the season. And I was like, I know it's early, but that seems good. Um, yeah. Anyway, all that being said, my takeaway from JRP, what did JRP do is he did worse than I thought. Just from going by Twitter, I thought he was having a really good weekend, <laughs> and you kind of brought me down a little bit. He made some good defensive plays. He, he had the, he had the home run, which was a big deal. Um, I know I didn't he, check my phone for like thirty minutes at one point, and I got I saw two texts from you where JRP really probably just lost UCF this game, and then the next meeting text text was never mind they won the game, and I don't I don't know what that was about, but it was an overreaction probably on my part. But he really like misjudged. He was playing in he was playing really shallow in center field, and the guy hit the ball over his head, but he didn't take the best route or angle to it, and it dropped. Um, and I think that might have put. Clemson in position to like maybe tie the game. I don't even really remember at the time. It was 10 to seven. So I think they had two runners on and the tying run would have been at the plate, but then they, the next guy got out anyway. So he was let off the hook, but no, I mean, he, honestly, what's, what's been my big takeaway with him so far is that he's playing a lot. Like they've had yeah. seven games and he's, he's played six. So it's pretty good. Don't know how football is going to get him away from speeding in the starting yeah, that's lineup the, every yeah, day. The whole, why doesn't, why doesn't he just take a leave of absence for March? Doesn't look so hot these days. So, uh, when, but tune when in next week for more. What did JRP do? Yeah. That's going to be a really fun segment during JR, football what season. What did JRP Are we, we going to do that during football season? Yeah, we are. <laughs> I the whole, that's what the whole podcast is during football season. But Yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, we'll see. All right. So game of the week. We'll jump back into hey, a little bit of UCF can I softball say, talk. Can I say they one are, more thing really quickly about yeah. this? How we talk about yeah. JRP doing football season. Trace Trilco over from Sons of UCF, who, you know, uh, we, we say some things about JRP that he doesn't always agree with. He... Some, he would DM me several times during the season and call us the JR Pegasus podcast. And I feel like that's a uh, spot on for that's what that segment. Time. That's what that segment now with what the JRP do. That's kind of what it represents is the JR Pegasus podcast. Um, but yeah, so game of the week, UCF softball is another big tournament. They're nine and eight right now. They're heading West for the Judy Garmin classic in Fullerton, California. They have two games Thursday, one against Fresno state, Mikey Keene's new school. Uh, and another against Michigan. I feel like they play Michigan every week at this point. Like they've played Michigan so many times in the last year. This is going to be um, what four Michigan games total over the last like eight months, eight, nine months. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and so far they're three and oh, hopefully they can make that four and oh. And then Friday they have two more games against uh, UCLA and Loyola Marymount. And then Saturday they have just the one game against Cal state Fullerton. So if you're looking for some stuff to do, some stuff to do, if you're looking for something to do, uh, late at night on for on Friday or Saturday, UCF softball will be on the the game against Loyola Marymount is at eleven o'clock on Friday night, and then ten thirty p.m. on Saturday they'll play Cal State Fullerton. So we're in that really fun month long period where women's basketball, men's basketball, baseball, and softball are all playing at the same time, and I can find a UCF game to watch like almost every night, and I love that. So it's not gonna yeah. last long, but we're gonna love it while it's here. Sure isn't. You have a tweet of the week this week. Tweet of the week, guys. I have a tweet of the week. Barely was on my phone, but. Here we are anyway. Uh, this tweet comes from Matt Connolly, who is the uh, Clemson beat writer for ClemsonSports.com, which is part of On3 Sports. He is not getting tweet of the week, but his tweet is because it was a quote from someone who I feel like we should highlight. And that was Clemson's baseball coach, who has a name I can't pronounce, whatever. Clemson's baseball ho- coach said on the series versus UCF, quote, it sucks right now and leaves a very bitter taste in our mouth, especially with a team that's very mouthy in the way they celebrate on our own field. So my take for that to Clemson's coach is that if you do not like the way that UCF celebrated sweeping your team, I have an easy solution. Don't get swept. That's it. Don't do it. Just don't just don't lose every single game you play against a team. Every single one. And you you don't have to worry about that. So I'm sorry that you hate fun and that's tragic for you. And let me just say that uh, UCF running down the running down the hill or whatever the hell you want to call it, Clemson's football stadium. Clemson fans are in like a rage over that. Like they're like, <laughs> how? 
dare they like I, like i just have no, i have never seen such a thing and it's like at some point we gotta remember this is sports and sports is supposed to be fun okay it's supposed to be fun this is not war we are not going to war it is sports sports can be fun get over it don't get swept there you go that's tweet <laughs> of the week astute point if you don't like the way that's 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 been a long-running thing that's sports i don't remember who said it first but it was like if you don't like the way i celebrate don't let me in the end zone like that's there you just go. how it goes there you go um yeah so unless you're celebrating by like pretending to pee on the uh the uprights because <laughs> that got two different coaching staffs fired so don't do that uh that's from the egg bowl a few years ago but other than that celebrate every year. i thought it was funny but i guess i'm, I'm two not. whole coaching staffs were fired over that but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow all right well shout out clemson and shout out ucf baseball for sweeping them um we will be back <laughs> next week uh, with episode 129 but until then thank you guys so much for listening you can find us on twitter at bailey j adams 22 at by ca simmons and at night sports now again thank you guys so much for being with us and we'll talk to you soon bye everybody